the Sunday Sermons Podcast. The birth of Jesus, and by birth I mean a physical, tangible, historical birth. The birth of Jesus changed everything. That's what we're celebrating during this season. Sometimes it doesn't feel like everything changed. Sometimes it still looks a lot the same. Sometimes in the midst of even our worshiping him or remembering the wonderful things we remember at Christmas time, we're even more aware of the things that aren't right yet. Am I, does this sound familiar to anybody? And yet things did change. And the good news of Christmas, let me just throw it right out here, is this. God is still tangibly active on this planet. And, and amazingly enough, even though none of us will ever be like Jesus in all the ways, we're never going to be the only begotten son of God, the lamb of God. There's so many other so, totally unique things about Jesus. Somehow or another, we are love incarnate now. We are what God has put on this planet to represent him, represent him right this minute. So that's what we're going to celebrate in these next couple weeks as we, this is a brand new series called All Things New. We're going to celebrate that God really does make all things new. Uh, You probably experienced this in a bunch of ways. If you ever started a brand new job and your life is just measurably different in a bunch of different ways because of how you spend most of, most of your days, right? Or maybe you got a new car. And maybe it's, it's just a terrible car and you hate it and your life is different, but it's not in a good way. Or maybe it's a really great car and every day you're just so excited because the seats heat up or something. You know what I'm saying? There's just something about you're like, oh, life is better. Uh, I, for me, I, not too long ago, I got a new guitar. Oh my gosh. I started writing songs again. Like it was just, it was just cool. I, I love that guitar. When something changes, when something is new, It empowers us. And Jesus makes all things new. In one way or another, the book of Galatians explores that idea all the way through. And we're going to keep referring over the next couple of weeks to Galatians in several different ways. Uh, Paul starts out talking about how Christianity is something that God created, not people. Which is a new idea among religions. All the other religions are things that people created trying to reach God. This one is one where God created trying to reach people. So that's new. In his second chapter of Galatians, he gives his own testimony and how God took him from somebody who was persecuting the church to somebody who influenced the church in a major way. And it's in that context that he says this really, I hope, familiar passage, but let's try to hear it with fresh ears this morning. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And then as it goes through the book, he continues to unpack the idea that Christ came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. To make possible what the law could not make possible. In that we actually get transformed. We actually become like Jesus. We just spent several weeks talking about how that works, but I hope that sounds familiar to you too. And then he gets to chapter four and he says these wonderful words. This is why we're talking about it around Christmas time. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, 
born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Once again, God makes all things new. Not only did he offer forgiveness, not only did he offer the the opportunity to become the people of God, through Jesus we could actually become the children of God, the friends of God. We could actually know him like he had designed humanity to know him all the way back at the beginning. Jesus makes all things new. This morning, I'd really love to explore especially that idea of the fullness of time. It's related to another idea throughout scripture of perfection. But perfection in the Bible, perfection to God is a lot different than all the different ways we try to think about perfection. But for right now, if you've got one of these Bible study things in your hand or if you're joining us at home, welcome, by the way, if you're joining us from somewhere else than in this room. But if you got this and you're a note taker, this is where you get to get started. But let's all say this together. By the way, that's a greater than sign if you don't recognize that from math, okay? Perfect timing is greater than great timing. You've all experienced great timing, right? Sometimes it's just fun. Uh, you, you, two or three people are trying to go to the same place and you all pull in the parking lot right at that moment. You know what I'm talking about? Or you open a door and there's somebody standing right there with boxes trying to get through the door and you're like, whoa, great timing. And that's fun and it's always neat. But God's perfect timing is way bigger than that. It's not just like, wow, what a cool thing. That was neat of God to do it then. When God does something, he does it exactly when he means to. Doesn't always sound very great to us. Doesn't always feel that great to us. But looking back, we can see. And Christ's arrival in history is no different from this. It reminds us that God always times things better than we can. That's the second blank there if you're filling those in time always just for fun let's make sure that we understand how this works the reason we have to rely on God's perfection is because all of us have a different idea of perfection about just about everything let's try this if I were to ask you to describe the perfect vacation is there anybody in here that would say you just stay home it's like a staycation that's the best thing just don't do anything don't have to work there's several of you out there okay how about how many of you think a perfect vacation you got to go do something you got to get out of the house okay so we don't totally agree on that but it's okay we all love each other right but a perfect vacation how about this uh, it, would a perfect vacation be a cruise how many who would say that perfect vacation is a cruise who would say a perfect vacation is anything but get me on a boat Okay, and there's probably several any, any, anywhere in between those. We, our ideas of perfection don't match up. Uh, one of the things that just cracks me up is a funny line in a movie. It's now become a meme and actually a national day called Light Jacket Day. Is in the movie Miss Congeniality. They ask one of the contestants in this beauty pageant. They ask her to describe the perfect date, and she says, "Well, that's a tough one. I'd have to say." April 25th, because it's not too hot and not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. So April 25th is now light jacket day. You can celebrate when it comes around to April. I don't think that's what they meant by date. I don't think that's what they meant by perfect. Are you with me on this? Bottom line, I hope this makes you smile, but bottom line, this is this. We humans, no matter how convinced we are of what we think is right or good or perfect, we can be wrong. 
And even if we're not wrong, we're different. For, for Christians, we have to rely on God's idea of perfection. What does God call perfect? What does God call good? What does God call wrong? What does God call sin? It's not what we don't like or we think is gross. It's what he says is not acceptable. Does this make sense? And that's the bottom line of this idea. Well, as we look back historically and we see to the time that God sent Jesus, it it, it probably didn't feel that way at all to them, but it was the perfect time. It had been several centuries since God had done anything tangible on the earth. He'd, He'd been doing other stuff, but nothing big. There hadn't been any new prophets, no new books of the Old Testament written, nothing. And they were all expecting the Messiah. And I guarantee you every day, every week, every month, they were thinking this would be the perfect time, God. This would be the perfect time. Anybody ever feel that way? You're praying about something? God, This is right now is the perfect time for you to step in on this one. Don't get any better than this, God. Come on. I pray those prayers all the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be real with you. I do. But at this point, it was the perfect time. When Jesus showed up, it was the middle of a, an era in history called Pax Romana. The Roman Empire had created a weird sort of peace where all the people that they were they were they had conquered that they were ruling all those people had the chance to still keep their own religions and language and cultures going even though they all had to pay taxes and submit to Rome but that had freed up the Jews to have a temple again they they had a lot of freedom and they had a lot of time where they could study the word and at this point in history there were several different versions of Jewish leaders. And between them all, they, they were all about the, the ceremonies. They were all about the actual laws. They were all about trying to apply it to life. And none of them really got it. None of them really had the whole picture. But collectively, they were debating about this so much that when Jesus showed up, all of the things Jesus was fulfilling was very familiar to the people. You with me? They, they knew the prophecies. They didn't understand them, but they knew the prophecies. They were watching for the Messiah. They didn't understand what the laws were all about, but they knew what the laws were. The Pharisees wouldn't let them forget. Does this make sense? And so all of this was happening. And not only that, there was this language that was the national language. It wasn't even Latin, which a lot of the Romans spoke, but they chose Koine Greek, which is the most precise language that... I know of. It's incredibly precise, which is why we keep going back. Well, the Greek says, because in English, you can misunderstand words like perfect all day long. In the Greek, you go back and you go, well, this is what that word means. We translate it perfect. It means this. Does this sound familiar to anybody? It's because it's so perfect. That was the national language that everybody had to learn and communicate and write in and do laws in in this time in history. So guess what the New Testament got written in? Koine Greek. I, I could go on and on. We don't have time. I hope some of this is familiar. If it's not, I urge you to just do some research about what an incredible moment in time God chose to send his son. I'm sure, again, it, it, to them it felt like several centuries too late. Some of them didn't even understand what was going on. It didn't feel all that perfect to them in the moment, and yet it was. One last one. Uh, There's an old phrase that says, all roads lead to Rome. Where that actually came from is all the roads actually went out from Rome. Rome built the first 
international interstate system, if you will. It doesn't look like our interstates. It doesn't look, but they wanted to be able to connect all the places that they ruled and all the places and make it easy to send messages and troops and stuff and people and whatever else go back and forth. So they build all these roads just in time for the gospel to start spreading. God knows what he's doing, even if it doesn't seem like it to us. At the time. That's why, even in the Old Testament, we see David writing this. He says, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And even in that beautiful statement, we we go, Wait a second, if he was my kind of perfect, we wouldn't need refuge. He'd just protect us, there wouldn't be any danger. That's not how it works, right? Are you you with me? Do we all live on the same planet here? Sometimes we need refuge. Sometimes we need shelter. Sometimes we need healing because something happened that was bad. And yet God is perfect. Somehow or another, this works. And whether we get it or not, it's consistent throughout his word. It's consistent in life. And Christ's birth reminds us that God knows best. His timing is perfect. His ways are perfect. It reminds us of this. As James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We do, but he doesn't. Another version of perfect that I, I don't like is the perfect Christmas gift. I got I to gotta just be real. It, it, this, this season stresses me out. I love all the stuff about Christmas except for trying to find that perfect gift. That just stresses me out. I, I don't know why, but it just, because my idea of what would be perfect and their idea of what would be perfect is probably not going to be the same thing. Are you with me? And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So that's why I love all this other stuff. That's why I love Advent. That's why I love the Christmas Eve services and the Christmas morning celebration and singing Christmas carols and singing worship songs that are true all the time. And all. I just love remembering what Jesus is all about because my idea of perfect is never going to cut it. But his always does. Let's go to the next huge idea here. And I hope this becomes as practical as possible today. I really hope that you hear what... What my heart is saying today. It's not my heart. I really believe this is the heart of what God wants to say to all of us today. The, the, the idea of Christmas sometimes gets so romanticized and so, so sweet and beautiful. Little baby Jesus in the shiny little manger, which probably stunk, by the way. Do you know what I'm saying? It's where it was a feeding trough. But we have all these little, we want to make it all beautiful and peace on earth and everything's just wonderful. And then we look around and we go, wait a second, it's not all that wonderful in my heart. It's not all that wonderful in my house. It's not all that wonderful in my community. It's not all that wonderful in my, wherever I am, wait, what is going on? But the real hope here is a very tangible one. It's a very realistic one. It's not a romantic, cheesy, unobtainable Hallmark looking thing. It's real. And there's a lot of hope in this, and I hope you hear that today. Second huge truth that we learn from the idea that God makes all things new is this full time is greater than filled time. Would you say that with me? Full time is greater than filled time. We all know what filled time looks like, right? 
Filled time is when your whole schedule is filled. It's busy. And if it's not, you're on your phone or you're watching something, you're entertaining yourself, you're, you're, you're filling it yourself with just stuff. That's filled time. Full time is fulfilled time. It's stuff that matters. It's when you're actually investing yourself in something that matters. And as you watch the birth of Jesus and then keep watching his life throughout all four gospels, what you see is that Jesus was always fully present. Jesus invested the time he had. He only had about 33 years on this planet and he knew it, but buddy, did he get some stuff done, right? He was effective and he was efficient. Those are the other two blanks you can put in there. Efficient means that you actually get what you're supposed to do done in the time allotted. Effective means the way you do that job actually works. You don't have to redo it again. It actually accomplishes what it's supposed to do. Jesus did both. And again, the Old Testament and the New Testament always harmonize. That's why all the way back in Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heavens. And then it starts going through a whole bunch of ones. And by the way, it doesn't say turn, turn, turn. That's just the song. But I love that song too. And otherwise, that's pretty much word for word from that. I hope you go back. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 is where you find that. This morning, what I'd love to share, this, just something that's been intriguing me and convicting me lately, is there's a new science out there about how we perceive time. How we not only like just invest our time, but how we even understand it and ways that we can change how we understand it. You can't actually slow down or speed up time, but you can actually change how you perceive it. Uh, for example, there's a guy named David Eagleman who says that uh, our routines and our distractions accelerate time. They make time just feel like it's just flying by. But if we break our routines, if we take a moment to stop distracting ourselves, get our heads out of our phone for a moment, what actually happens is time seems to slow down. It doesn't actually slow down, but it seems to. Another way that time seems to almost become meaningless is when you're experiencing what artists call flow or getting in the zone or something like that. But when you're doing stuff that God made you to do, if you're an encourager, you're encouraging people. If you are a teacher, you're teaching. If you are a musician, you're playing music. If you're an artist, you're doing art. If you're a car fixer, you're fixing cars. Are you with me on this? When you're doing that, you lose all sense of time and you're just... It doesn't feel like it's going that fast or that slow. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. The more we do that, the more time is almost meaningless. We're just living and it's beautiful. When we try brand new things, we're much more aware of everything going on. If you're going the same place you've gone a thousand times, you probably don't even remember the journey, do you? Does that happen to anybody else? It's actually scary how that happens. You leave your house, you get where you're going, go... Whoa, you don't have any memory of the journey. Somehow you made it. But if you're going somewhere new, you're listening to GPS. You're listening to everybody else in the car argue with the GPS. You know what I'm talking about? You're wide awake. You're looking at all the landmarks. You're like, what in the world? Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I never knew there was a store right there, right? You're wide awake. And you remember that journey because it's new. Another thing we always remember is stuff that's scary. Have you ever noticed that? Any of your memories of a car wreck or something falling? 
it, it's, you always remember it in slow motion. It's because you remember everything. Like That's why they do it in movies like that. It makes it a little bit more dramatic, but it's also a little bit more realistic. As really terrible things are happening, time seems to slow down because all of our senses are wide awake. And as, as I look at the Christmas story, I see that all the key players, they were really good at that. Mary and Joseph and all the other people that God was able to use, they were actually doing exactly what they were supposed to do faithfully day after day. They didn't know when the Messiah was going to show up. They didn't know that God was going to use them. But when God's perfect time came around, when it was ready, when he was ready, they were right there where they needed to be. They were fully prepared. Living is greater than waiting. The more we trust God and keep living his way, the more prepared we are when God decides to really move. Would you say this out loud with me? Living is greater than waiting. And by living, I mean you actually aren't just killing time and just hoping that someday your prince will, will come or whatever, like all, all those silly movies try to teach us. It, you're, you're, you're getting stuff done that needs to be done today. You're enjoying life today. You're spending time with people you love today. You're being aware of stuff today. You're getting in that zone. You're scaring yourself a little bit today. Do you, do you understand? You're living. That's so much better than just waiting. And that's when we're prepared for whatever God wants. James also writes, For whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Another beautiful thing, just really fast, that the word perfect means throughout Scripture is complete or exactly what needs to be happening at this time. Great way to understand that is that we're all perfect in different ways at different ages. If you've got a baby and it's a newborn baby and it's healthy and really all the thing can do is cry and poop, it's still perfect, right? It's good. Two or three years down the road, if that's still all it can do, something's probably wrong. Does this make sense? But if you've got a preschooler that can talk pretty well, they're starting to learn a few letters, they're starting to learn a few things about how life works, they're perfect. A couple years down the road, if that's still all they know, something might be wrong. Does that make sense? And you get all the way to an adult and then an older adult and an older adult. At some point, we should be making some progress. Perfection means different things at different times. But if we're living fully, if we're investing fully today, God would call that perfect. If you're doing your very best today, if on your journey of transformation to become more and more like Jesus, you're constantly, you've thrown everything you've got right now at the feet of Jesus today. That's perfection. Not that it's totally perfect across the board, but in God's eyes, what he's seeing through is the blood of Jesus, right? And he understands that we're on a journey. And that's why, that's the only reason it counts as perfect. I believe that's what Jesus said, what he meant when he said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Be synced up with him. Be all about the stuff that he says is perfect. So one more time, let's go through these huge ideas. This is so important that we get this stuff. So important that we are meditating on this, that we're marinating it as we go through this season. 
Because it's times like these when we're remembering something big, when we're acknowledging something amazing and big that happened in history, but we're celebrating it in the here and now. It's a wonderful opportunity to remember and refocus on what's really important in life, to live every single day more fully. So one more time, say this out loud with me, if you will. Perfect timing is greater than great timing. And again, perfect timing is not our idea of perfect, it's God's. Let's break this down for a second. Are you waiting on God for something right now? I am. I need to remember every single day while I'm waiting on those things that God's timing is perfect. Are you celebrating something that God has done that's just amazing and you just can't wait to tell people about it? It's a good thing to remember that God's timing is perfect. Second thing, full time is greater than filled time. Say that with me. Full time is greater than filled time. This season can easily just be filled and filled to overflowing without anything that is actually full or actually perfect or actually meaningful. I'm not going to judge or label any of the things I just urge you and pray with you that you try to use this season efficiently and effectively. It can draw your family together. It can help you remember Jesus. It can help you remember what's most important in life. It can reboot everything for you. Or it can just make you more stressed out and more freaked out and more resentful and angry at your family and God and whoever else you're resentful against than ever before. It can help you find some real healing and grieve and and, and be together with people that you haven't seen for a while and go back over some stuff and some loss and some frustrations and some fears and actually deal with it. Or, Or it can just drive you apart, make you want to give up. Does this sound familiar? These are choices that we make. But if we understand, if we remember that full time is greater than filled time, full is way harder, way scarier. But I I dare you and I pray with you that you go there this season. Again, one more time. Let's say this together. Living is greater than waiting. And living means you're actually wide awake. You're trying some new things. You're doing some things that are very familiar, but they're the things that make you you. They're the stuff that God created you to do. They're the stuff that give you the most joy, that give the people around you the most joy. Make time for those things. They'll be different for all of us. They're the spiritual disciplines. We just walked several weeks through all of those. I'd like to highlight one this morning just because of a unique opportunity that, that I, I, I mentioned actually. Wouldn't it be great if this happened? I, it's happening. I'm so excited. And I'd like to tell you about that this morning. On the flip side of this Bible study, and if you're watching digitally, it's somewhere nearby, I'm sure. Praise God. We're, gonna, we're going to, one way or another, we're going to pay off the rest of the mortgage on this building at the end of January. We're inviting you guys to be part of that. We understand that many of us don't have any extra. We're either already giving so much extra or something terrible has happened or we just lost our job or there's a thousand reasons why you cannot participate in this, but we're asking everybody to at least pray about it. Are you with me on this? Okay. 
But some of you, God is blessed in those ways. God gives some people the spiritual gift of giving. God allows some people to be better at making money than other people. Some of you could participate in this. And what we're going to do is, our, uh, uh, because we want so bad to live 2023 as fully as possible, we're going to pay this mortgage off and just not have any debt anymore as a church. And what that's going to change is, instead of praying, God, please help us make sure we can make that payment and all our other payments this month, it's going to be, God, please show us where you'd like us to invest that money. That's a totally different way of life. That's living fully. It's scary. That's a big old check that's going to get written. Okay? Whether any of you chime in and help us out or not, that's, that's going to really, really lower all of the resources that we have very carefully tried to save up and be responsible good stewards of over the years. It's going to take us down pretty low margins. But we really believe this is the right thing to do, and so we're going to do it. And we'd love your prayers for wisdom and God's provision. And if he leads you to help, it tells you how to do that in there. And by the way, somebody's already asked me about that. The January 8th date is not hard and fast if you give on 9th or 10th or later. But we're going to do this by the end of January. And so the sooner you can get the get it in, the better. And if you're one of those people looking for a tax break, probably by the end of December. I think that's how that works. Are you with me? So again, this isn't a giving sermon. This is just one example that's happening right now that I wanted to share with you guys. This is how this works to live fully. It's terrifying. It's scary, but it's also exciting. We're trying to say, what the, what's the best possible way for us to do anything God wants us to do in 2023? I think it needs to do this first. So we do it. And you can do that in your life in a thousand ways. Three things that all start with P. We're going to wrap up here this morning. Pay attention. Make sure you've got the right priorities. And be fully present. If you're paying attention, you have the right priorities. And the people around you and God himself have your full presence. You're living this way. You're, you're experiencing the fullness of of time. You're experiencing, you're remembering that God always knows the right time. And these are some choices we can do. And is this hard? Yes. But Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Well, we've got this whole big historical perspective on life. And we've got this big idea of here's how to live all the time. But brothers and sisters, we live in the moment right now, whether we like it or not. And right this moment, you have an opportunity, as you do every Sunday, to make a choice. And it can be private or it can be public. But if you need to do anything at all with God, we're going to stand, we're going to sing together. And I invite you to do that. If you need to give your life to Jesus, if you want to get baptized, if you want to join our church officially, if you want to just get some prayer, if you want to lay something at the feet of Jesus, whatever it is, uh, there's going to be people at the front and the back for you to talk or pray with. And you can do it right where you are if you want to keep it private. But would you take a step this morning toward Jesus as we stand and as we sing?